So it's good to be back. I have a question. What is the church? I was here two weeks ago and I told you. What is the church? Oh, Sandy, don't come. What is the church? You, me. You, me. Remember those selfies you took? No, you've forgotten. It's you and me. We've been doing this series. Weird and wonderful. And we've talked about the church. We've talked about communion. And tonight, we're talking about baptism. Now, how weird is that? A weird thing to do to get dunked in a specially designed, in the stage, tub or in the river or the ocean. And you do it voluntarily, in clothes, clothed, and you get dunked. Weird, eh? Weird. And yet, wonderful. I want to talk about baptism tonight and how it's an important part of our journey. Most of you have seen a baptism? Yeah, most of you have seen? That's good, because uh, I did ask someone if I could practice on them to show you all, but I did, didn't get any volunteers, so hopefully tonight there'll be some that won't want to practice, but will want to do the real thing. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord the opportunity again tonight to gather around and to listen to the Spirit of God. Speak, Lord. Speak into our hearts so that we know that we're on this journey with you and you are with us. Amen. Baptism. The word actually does mean dunked. Literally, it means get whatever you want and put it in the water, immerse it, submerge it, and bring it out, emerge. That's what the word means. So probably some of you, if you haven't got dishwashers and you're good kids and good young people, will baptise the dishes every night after the dinner. <laughs> Properly, eh? Some of you might sprinkle them, and some of you might just wipe off the dirt, but the real thing is to get them wet underneath and out. Well, that's baptism, and the baptism is used in the Bible, and uh, it's used about John's baptism. Remember John the Baptist. Some of you know him. Some of you have heard of him. He was a cousin of Jesus that just came before him to prepare the way for Jesus. And he got known as John the Baptist. Now, his baptism is not the baptism that we are going to have because John's baptism was basically a get-up call. Get yourself ready because there's one coming who is going to do something new. You see, for thousands of years, thousands of years, the people had been waiting for a promise to be fulfilled, that there would be one who would come who would change everything, would change the way things were. Because way, way, way back, at the beginning of time, whenever that was, God created humans to have a love relationship with God. God, whose name is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And way back there, this Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, were in a love relationship with each other. They 
esteemed one another. They honored one another. Deep respect, deep love. The Father loved the Son. The Son loved God. The Spirit of God loved the Son. The Spirit of God loved the Father. It was a community. We actually call it Trinity, but it was a community of love. And human beings created by God, for God, were invited into this love community, into this community of purity, into this community of delight and joy, and uh, probably making noises like you did during Youth Alive. There was fun, there was excitement, there was all of that, and yet no one got hurt, no one got left out. That was the community God created, a love community, a community of love. But it wasn't long before our early human parents blew it all. They thought they could do life without God. And unfortunately, that story continues. Many humans today think and believe that they can do life well without God. And on the surface, it might even look as though they do. But I want to say this. When the first parents decided to lose the connection with God and do life without God, they lost relationship with themselves in the sense of they were all over the place. They lost their identity, significance, all this kind of stuff. One day high, next day low. Sometimes moody, sometimes excited, sometimes really nice to be around, and other times really uglier to be around. And basically because we didn't know what was going on inside ourselves. We also lost relationship with each other. And so we had funny relationships. We uh, just didn't get on. Some we did, some we didn't, some we put down, some we exalted. Again, it was this funny relationship. But most of all, we didn't get on with God anymore. We lost our connection with our creator and maker. And so started what I call our salvation story. Our salvation story started way back in a book in the Bible called Genesis, where God took the initiative to win back the people that he had created so that they could become everything that God created them to be. And the story continues. He made, God made a promise that one day, one day, there would be a way back. Promises given to Abraham Promises given to David. Promises given right throughout the Old Testament. I don't know about you, but I've been nearly through the Old Testament this year, nearly through there, just getting there. And you sometimes it's quite tedious. Sometimes, you know, I get so fed up reading about the people because they just blow it over and over and over again. And then I read the prophets, and I've been reading the prophets for a while now, and I, they're the books that are in the middle there, and they're woe to this and woe to that, and you sinned and you did all that, and I think, oh my goodness, did they ever get fed up listening to the prophets? But then I remember, 
I can read this so far in half a year, but it's a story of thousands of years. And I forget that generation after generation kept doing the wrong thing and turning away from God. People I grew up with who went to youth groups and who went to camps and things like Youth Alive, enthusiastic. Where are they? They too, some of them, have given up. Determined tonight, you won't give up, right? No giving up. We're going on for it. No giving up. Because we know our maker. We know our God. And we are in part of our salvation story when we knew the time had come when the Lord Jesus Christ became our Lord and our Saviour and we started living a different life. Our salvation story started in this part of the story when uh, we became aware of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. But we don't know how long the Holy Spirit was there working for us. We didn't know if someone was praying. We don't know what messages we heard. We don't know, but we do know this, that God was chasing us with mercy and grace and love and finally captured our hearts. And we said, yes, I confess my sin and my desire to do life without you. And I want you to be my God and my Lord. And so part of our salvation story entered God's salvation story. Salvation is not a thing. Salvation is a relationship. Baptism is not a thing. It's not something you tick off when you think you're old enough. It's not a thing. It's a relationship. It's a public event that says, I am following Jesus and I want the world to know. So let me just talk about baptism. Baptism. Sorry for whoever's doing that because we had a different introduction. I want to talk to you about John the Baptist first. He said, he got up there and he was a prophet. He was dressed like a prophet. He wore animal skins, okay? He ate like a prophet. He had locusts and honey. He lived where prophets live in the wilderness. And I think he probably smelt like a prophet. I don't know when he washed or anything. But he spoke like a prophet. And the people listened to this prophet. He was a prophet who just had one message, basically. He said, repent. That simply means get down and be sorry for the way you're living, the brokenness, the ugliness, the sin in your life. Repent. Turn things around and everything you've done wrong, try and put it right. If you're stolen as a tax collector, give it back. If you're a soldier and you've been unfair, be fair. If you are a religious leader and been all pharisaic and pride, humble yourselves. So that was his message. That was pretty powerful. And the people came and he baptized them. But his was a baptism to get ready for the coming. Because he said, repent. And then he said, 
the kingdom of God is here. And they knew what, they, that, that what John meant. Everyone who heard thought, oh, wow, all the promises of God are coming true. Let's follow John. Let's see where this is going to happen. Maybe a conquering hero on a big white horse will come with soldiers and defeat our enemies. They were waiting. They were ready. Some of them were baptized. That is not Christian baptism, okay? That was a baptism preparing themselves for Jesus. Christian baptism is about Jesus. About Jesus. So, no, it wasn't John the Baptist. But what we need to know about Jesus is that he was the promised one. He was called the one that would come and he would change the world. And his kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom. Jesus would be the ruler. Jesus would reign. And every knee eventually will bow and honor him. Let me tell you a few things about this Jesus. I don't know what you know, but here's a few basic facts. There was never a time when Jesus was not God. You got that one? Always God. He was promised right from the beginning. Different things were talked about what this promise would be. He would be a king, he would be a priest, he would be a prophet, he would be a suffering servant, but he was going to be God's promised one to bring change. His birth was supernatural, born of the spirit and of a woman, and he became totally human, and he lived among us. He grew up fully human, 100%. This is what you need to know. If you want to be like God, look at Jesus. If you want to be fully human, look at Jesus. Isn't that good? Look at him. He chose 12 people to be with him. We know them to be as apostles, disciples, but he had hundreds of other followers, men and women. He was one of the first religious leaders to welcome women into his fold and children and young people. And they were Jewish and non-Jewish. But then he, because he was a truth teller, And because he upset the status quo and they wanted control, truth teller, and he kept telling them that it was only one God and they needed to humble themselves before this God. They arrested him. You know the story? Crucified him. They buried him. Hey, but he rose again. And he went back to heaven and sent another one to be with us who was just like him called the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit and promised that Jesus would return again and we will live with Jesus forever that my friends is the story in a nutshell of Jesus and we need to keep reciting that story and reading the story. I must confess that while I was reading the Old Testament through trying to get through the Bible in the Jesus, uh, through the Bible in a year, I got hungry to read about Jesus. So I skipped. I kept my Old Testament going, but I couldn't help myself. I had to go and read about Jesus. Okay? So Jesus, look to Jesus all the time. 
Now, the purpose of all of this, the purpose of Jesus coming and being like this, was for you and me and this world to be reconciled, to be made right with God. We, sinners, to be made right with our maker and our original parent, God, and to come into this community with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So those of us who've been on this salvation story, where we've allowed either dramatically because it was a wow moment, or whether it's been a slow process and we just know that we belong to him. We have confessed our sins. We have been forgiven. And we know that we belong to him. So my question is, where does baptism fit? And it is not a thing to tick. It's not a thing. I've asked Ebony to actually come and talk to me about why it's not a thing. Some time ago, Ebony came to me and we talked about, um, you, need, you need your microphone, uh, baptism. And we had a conversation. I think that's off, is it? No, it's on. Bring it up. Don't touch, don't play with it. Just bring it up. Um, oh, it's on. Okay, good. Um, so about over a year ago, I started to think about getting baptised, but I kind of saw it as something I needed to do to be accepted, to be seen as... A Christian at all and I kind of thought when I came out of the water I'd be like ooh, Christian shiny and maybe I'd get punished more for the sins I did because I was like baptized um, but that's not true I think baptisms we've just had a conference on being a dangerous Christian and I think baptism is coming out and saying I am a Christian and I'm going to have a dangerous faith and declare to the people I am around that I am a Christian and I'm not ashamed Okay. That's all right. So it's not a thing you do to be accepted into the fellowship or into church so that you can be like everything else. It's something that declares that you are not ashamed any longer to belong to Jesus. That that life that you've lived and explored now needs a public expression. Okay? Well, let's just talk about baptism. I've got a few points. First of all, we've done one of them. Baptism is part of our salvation story. Now, I just want you to know that my salvation story started a long, long time ago because I've lived probably four times longer than most of you. Okay? So it started a long time ago. And I journeyed through Sunday schools, youth groups, camps, and baptism. And I continued, and I grew, and I grow, and sometimes I just blew it. And I thought, oops, do I have to start again? No, I'm here, okay? I'm on the journey. And I just say, oh God, I'm sorry, I blew it. I need to apologize, I need to confess, I need you to help me, I need your spirit. And I continue to grow. And do you know, my salvation story continues on to this day. Nearly 50 years have I been on my salvation story that I know of, but it probably happened before that. 
nearly 50 years. And you know what? I don't want to stop growing. I want to be continuing and growing and moving closer to Jesus. So baptism was an important part of my life when I said, I'm going public. I've probably been public ever since. But it's just continuing growth in my salvation story. You got that? It's not a thing. It's a growth. It's an act of obedience, which is the next thing I want to say. It's what we call a sacrament in our church. We don't use that word, but we have communion that you had last week, and we have um, baptism. We call those sacraments, places, things where we come together, and it's got a very physical look, but there's a sacredness about it and a mystery. I'll talk about the mystery in a minute. And so it's part of what the church has done forever. They've done it in different ways. Some Christian parents take their children and some of their churches call what we call a child dedication, they would call it a baptism. But the Christian parents expect their children to affirm that later on and say yes publicly to what happened when their parents dedicated them. And some of you may have had that. I had that, but I still wanted to be baptised as a believer when I grew, when I got older and when I did come into a relationship with Jesus. It's an act of obedience, okay? A sacrament, an act of obedience. But there's mystery. Because the mystery is, it's like being united with Christ, okay? It's a union. And it's like us uh, enacting with Jesus what happened in the Easter story. So Paul wrote to the Christians and said, don't you know that your life, if you have entered into this salvation story, you were crucified with Christ. When he died to sin, you too died to your sin. Got that? A death happened. The old Sandy Hart and all of the stuff that she did died to the sin and the old way of life. And I probably should have stayed buried a bit longer so that it would go in a bit more <laughs> because I discovered that I still did get it mucked up. But anyhow... I was buried with, that's the mystery, okay? And then the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. So I'm acting out what happened at my salvation very publicly. I'm saying the mystery of my salvation is a physical act where I get into the water. And I go down like a burial and I say, I'm dying to the old way, to myself. I'm with Christ in this, united in his death. But united in his resurrection and the spirit of God lives within me. And the life I now live is a new life. Hallelujah. But I muck it up. But there's always forgiveness, mercy and grace. One of the little things that I've started practicing in my early morning devotions 
for some time now, is living out my baptism. So I say to myself, Sandy, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Holy Spirit, stand in the grace that you have been put into and live out from that grace every day. For some of you, that may be a new invitation for you. Anyhow, it's a sacrament. It's being united with Christ. You got that? It's part of our salvation story. It's a sacrament. It's an act of obedience. It's being united. That's the mystery. But I want to tell you, it has a social dimension. There's a verse in Matthew, the very last verse in Matthew, where Matthew says, uh, Matthew writes these words of Jesus, where he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you want to learn a verse, learn that one, okay? We usually think that this is for missionaries only, to go overseas, or at least that's what I thought when I was growing up. But this is for all of us. We're to go and we make disciples, and baptizing them is important. But I want to look here because this is part of the mystery of baptism. This is what Paul calls the one baptism in Ephesians 4. He says we've got one Lord, one Spirit, one God, one baptism, one faith. And so this is baptizing them into. Now, just a little Greek aside for that word in. It's into. There's a movement here with this little Greek word. It says baptizing them into with a movement towards the community of God. Now, you can't do that, and I can't do that. That's the work of the Spirit. When in our salvation story, he takes us into this family of God, which is called the family, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So guess what? In our conversion story, in our salvation story, we get a new name. We get a new family. We belong in this wonderful community of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? But that's not all. You collect some brothers and sisters and some uncles and aunties and some new mothers and fathers and grandmothers and all of that kind of stuff as well. There's a social dimension into this family. And some of them you don't like. (laughs) Some of them you don't get on with. Some of them you fight with, you bully and all this kind of stuff. Let's live in this new family, in the power of the Spirit of God who's ever-changing us, okay? So, sisters, brothers, young people, new family, new name, Sandy Hart, in the family of God. You can say that about yourself. In the family of? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of those Christians who went before me, Paul, wow, Timothy. I won't mention many others because I'll get lost. But here's the next thing. It has this social dimension, and that has obligations for us, okay? It has obligations. But it is a lifestyle. 
it is not a one-off event. It means that I've declared to the world in a physical act that I belong to God, I'm in a new family, and my life now is living in cooperation with the Spirit of God who lives within me. You got that? It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not an event to be ticked off. It's to be continually affirmed. Jessica's going to talk to us a little bit about what her baptism meant to her. Thanks, Jessica. So I got baptised... No, I didn't. Sorry. I gave my life to Jesus last year at Youth Alive. And... Being baptised was kind of, for me, a way to concrete my relationship with Jesus and being like, you know, God, I'm yours. That was what baptism was for me. And the impact of that was after I found myself being a lot more aware of things I was doing, things I was saying, and how I was treating people, that kind of thing. And it wasn't just that. It was also that I was more aware of when God was speaking to me, when it could be through people, how they were talking to me, or prayer, the Bible, all of it. And I don't know, it was just, it was very different. I found myself being a lot closer to Jesus. It wasn't, Jesus wasn't someone you go to, just sometimes, just sometimes. But it was actually just a friend that was really close. And you can just say anything you want to him and he'll, you'll feel like he was listening. And it's just, just like a very close friend. It was... It was great. Thank you. You too possibly could have a story. I just didn't have time to ask you to come and tell us (laughs) about yours. But thank you, Jess. Thank you, Ebony, for tonight. The last thing I want to say about baptism is a physical act. Okay? It's something that you have to do. And it's your public declaration. Here at Door of Hope, we believe in a believer, a follower of Jesus, being physically baptised in water. And we have a tub up there. And we like it so that you can bring your friends and family and publicly say, I'm on the salvation journey. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to publicly declare it. And I'm going to live in it for the rest of my life, God being my helper and my strength. So we do look to Jesus for our salvation. We do look to Jesus to hear from him, to allow the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us. And in our salvation story, we want to walk with our God and live in obedience. So yes, it's part of our salvation story. Yes, if you're in a relationship with God, you will live eternally with God without being baptized, but you miss so much. And yes, it is a sacrament, it is an act of obedience, and yes, it is, got, it is mystery, mysterious with this spiritual understanding. 
But here, here's another thing about communion. Every time we take communion, it's like reliving our baptism. We're united with Christ. We remember his death and his resurrection and him living with us by his spirit. Yes, it has a social dimension, and it may be where you're at tonight, where you need to get that one organised. And yes, it is a lifestyle. So for those of you who've been baptised, you were asked at your baptism, did you believe that Jesus was your Lord and Saviour? Is that right? So I'm going to ask those who've been baptised whether tonight you still publicly declare that Jesus is my Lord and Saviour. Okay? Just take a minute. Do I still live out my baptism that Jesus is my Lord and Saviour? Do I believe that my baptism was a baptism into the death of Christ where he died because of my sin and the sin of the world? Do I believe that I was buried with him in his death? Do I believe just as Christ was raised from the dead, so too I am raised with Christ? Renew your vow. Renew your confession. Just now. Do that. But for those who are on the salvation journey, are you ready for baptism? What hinders you from being baptised? What hinders you? It's not to tick the box. It's not to win approval. It's to publicly declare that you are on the salvation journey. And for those, of course, who do not know what I'm talking about when I talk about the salvation journey, I invite you to welcome Jesus into your life and give the ownership of your life to the one Lord and the true Saviour. Let me pray. Thank you that you are our God and that Jesus came to deliver us from our sins by dying for us. Thank you that our baptism is the story of being united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that live out daily our baptism vows, our baptism story. May we be people who are publicly aware of our social obligations of what it means to be in the family of God. Thank you that you've given us a new name and that we're in your family. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit. Teach us to hear. Speak, Lord, tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May God be with you.